Welcome to Leadership Bites with myself, your host, Guy Bloom. This is a leadership podcast where I have conversations with colleagues, I chat with guests, and sometimes they'll be just me talking. You can connect with me at livingbrave.com. And when you enjoy the episode, subscribe and please tell everyone. Mike, it's great to have you on this episode of Leadership Bites. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Guy. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, interested, excited to have a, have a yarn, have a chat about whatever we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. So, listen, I know who you are because, obviously, I invited you on the show. Um, just for those that don't know you, uh, I do the introduction on the audio podcast, but on the video, I don't do an introduction. I just put it out straight. So, in, in essence, who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Mike Friday. I'm just a simple, simple bloke from uh, South East London. Um, but um, yeah, currently I'm the USA Men's Sevens Rugby Head Coach, um, leading their program um, and have done so for the last five years, I think it is, um, as we head towards Tokyo 2020 or 2021. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm not sure what they've actually called it now, um, the Olympics uh, this uh, this coming July. So it's uh, it's been an interesting journey uh, these last 12 months, but um, it's been an interesting journey, shall we say, uh, inside probably ended up in the role I've ended up in. Well, I mean, that I don't know how, but yeah, the whole thing of, of COVID's been been its own issue. But j- just to get into, before we kind of get to present day, um, how, what, what are the stepping stones? What's your journey into a role that has, you know, has an element of prestige to it? And um, it's a role that has a lot of responsibility that sits with it. So what are the stepping stones that got you into the role that you're in now? Um, well, I, don't know, I wish, yeah, windy road is what I would say. A windy road. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, obviously I was a professional rugby player myself. Um, but being candid, when, when I first started playing the game and um, the, the game was amateur. Um, so obviously, you know, I went to a, you know, going right back to, to school days. Um, I went to a football school. I didn't go to a rugby school. I went to the local comp, a football school. So we didn't really play rugby. I used to go and watch my old man play um, every Saturday down at the local club. And that's how I started, kind of back in 77, I think it was, as a, as a four-year-old in the under-sevens, whatever it was. Um, and, you know, that's where I kind of learned the game and, and fell in love with the game and understood the values and the spirit of the game. But, you know, I... I I left, you know, I played football, um, wasn't good enough to be a, a decent footballer, like everybody, got a shot, but wasn't good enough, like 99%. Um, and and then, you know, followed rugby, but I was following uh, a career in chartered surveying. So by trade, I'm a chartered surveyor. Right. Um, but I was part of that mob um, who finished university that uh, was just at the transition of professional rugby from amateur to pro. So I played a good standard and I was fortunate enough to, you know, to be getting that kind of boot money, as they would call it. Um, and then when the what game... What does that went, mean, boot money? Boot money. So you used to get a little bit of expenses, shall we say, in oh, your right. boots um, every Saturday or every every month, which was, as a student, was pretty handy. Yeah. Um, made a difference. But, you know, I was 
I had a, you know a pretty standard kind of upbringing and and a, and, a, and a good social circle. I wasn't encompassed just in rugby, rugby, rugby. You know, when you go to university, um, when you the, the school I went to and, and the friends I had socially, they weren't all in rugby. So it was it, it was a good thing. I was it was varied, um, it was diverse, and you weren't just suckered in as we'll probably talk about later in that kind of insular. Rugby, rugby, rugby. So you become quite stereotypical or, being blunt, boring. Mm. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough to, to graduate, and and I and I, when the game went pro, I still was undertaking my graduate, um, my graduate, uh, practical two years to get my letters. So I had, a, I could either leave it and go and be a professional player. I could see it through, and I made a conscious decision that I was not going to turn fully professional as a rugby player until I got my letters, purely and simply because I'd done the A-levels and fought my way through that badly. Um, I'd gone to university. Well, I, I love to call it a university. I actually went to, again, comedy. I went to Polytechnic of Central London that became the University of Westminster. Yeah. Um, but I knew it was PCL. Um, and I was probably back then a bit of an inverted snob. So, um, and what I mean by that is that when I had a, left PCL, I had a chance to go into Cambridge to play rugby, but I'm not going there because that's full of posh people, which again was a little bit of probably my upbringing and some experiences I'd had as a, a younger guy where when I look back now, certainly he's a big regret because that would have been a fabulous experience and a, and hmm. a great community to have been a part of and, and, and do, but you, you pay your money, you take your choice. So I, I graduated, I managed to get my letters um, and then I became a pro player. Um, but unlike a lot of my fellow professional players, I maintained working um, after I'd been, been training. So a lot of the boys used to go home after training, play PlayStation or I don't know what it's called, it's probably called Sega back then, who knows. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then... Um, I'd go into work and I continue to be a, uh, to, to learn my trade and, and as a, as a charter surveyor. So I did that, um, for the entirety really of my professional playing career. Uh, I wouldn't say I was very good at charter surveying while I was playing rugby, but nonetheless, I was still kind of learning as you mm. go. Um, and understanding what the, what the business world was going to be like. Cause I always knew that rugby was never forever. Um, and that's, kind of was an, an important grounding that i had been brought up that you, you need to make sure that you are constantly trying to develop yourself um, and kind of realise and recognise that whilst you're in a fortuitous position, you need to understand the realisms of life. And it wasn't football a life-changing money. No, no, certainly not. Definitely yeah. not. As if I play for a year and I'm careful, I'm probably fine. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, rugby is, rugby is growing in terms of the top boys. Now they earn serious, serious money, but yeah. nowhere near like those football boys, you know. Um, so that, that was the journey, really. And then when I finished, I retired in 2002 as a player. Um, and, I, you know, and, and I could have gone abroad and I could have carried on playing. But I was 30 and I was like, I'm not going to achieve anymore. I played for England Sevens. I captained my country at the World Cup and at the Commonwealth Games. I'd done all I was going to do, so I was just saying I was a professional rugby player rather than, so I was stagnant rather than kicking on. And um, so I made the conscious effort, really, that I said, you know what, I'll finish here and 
rugby can be a part of my life and, and I'll start the next chapter of my life. Um, alongside that, you know, I'd had a, an injury in 98, 99 where I'd done my ACL. So I was out the game, not out the game, but I was rehabbing and I wasn't playing. And my local grassroots club where I'd learned the game um, and I was still a part of that, um, that, that, that club, asked if I'd help them coach them and get them some, some insight and some advice, which I was you know, I'll give back, no problem. And I'll do that alongside my rehab um, to take my mind off things. So that was my, my first introduction to coaching, where again, I started to, to realize that, you know, I, had a, I enjoyed trying to make people better and, and help them nurture and develop as, in whatever they chose to do. And when you come to rugby, like anything, whereas you, you do it on a Tuesday night, you've made a commitment to rock up, let's make it a good experience. You know, most of them have worked really hard to get there, had that kind of emotional conversation. Hey, shall I go? Shan't I go? The pub. So once they made the effort to get there, you make it a good experience. Yeah. So that was my first introduction really to, to rugby coaching. Um, so that's kind of where we, we started. I finished playing. Um, and interesting enough, I had a really negative experience in my last experience with England sevens as, as the captain with, with the, with that current coach at the time of like how not to do things possibly. Um, and when I came back, I went, I was going back to work and there was a, a kind of an advert to, to get involved with England sevens. And I thought, wow, shall I, shan't I? So I just put it in really just because I, I wanted, I was like, I could, I think I can make a difference, but you know, a young man, you know, probably a little bit headstrong, but probably not thinking it all the way through, but like anything, you think you can do everything. Many, many of life's decisions are yeah, based exactly. on, I haven't really thought this through. So. Yeah, exactly. So I did that and I ended up going to the final interview <laughs> and um, it, I, you know, I sat in front of a, I sat in front of a panel with Chris Spice, Clive Woodward, and John Spencer um, at that time and, and said, well, this is kind of would be what I would do and how we would do it and what we're trying to achieve from my experiences previously to where we want to get to. This is while I'm full-time at, at, uh, at the surveying firm trying to find my way in shopping centre investment. Um, so it was an interesting time. And they phoned me back and they said, look, Mike, you're very young and you know, you're, still, you're, you're still actually quite a decent player even though you've given it up. Um, we, we've decided to give the job to somebody else. I was like, oh, okay, no worries. Well, I've, I've got other things I'm pushing on with anyway. So, but we want you involved. So again, your competitive element was like, oh, okay. Oh, you've got my attention thinking, oh my God, I've just gone back to work. What am I going to do? So we did that. And uh, the, the, the head guy who'd been given the job phoned me and said, look, we really want you involved. We think you can add a lot of value on the technical coaching and, and, and the environment and the culture. He said, but there's one catch, you've also got to play. And I was like, oh, man, that's the last thing I need when you've, you've finished playing. I'm playing sevens, fitness is right up there, which is, again, not conducive if you're trying to find your way in shopping centre investment um, and having to be out with clients and, and so forth. But what, what was the, uh, the, the reason for the you've got, to, you've got to play was because they recognised your talent, but why make it a catch? Why make it a catch? Because I think they they wanted that experience out on the pitch in terms of what we were going to do with nurturing the youngsters, but also okay. I, it was like I, I'd, I'd, I'd retired at thirty. I probably could have carried on. I just made the conscious decision, but 
it's the the competitive element and edge is still there, right? So the problem is if somebody flicks your switch, it's a bit of a challenge. And again, the younger the younger me is like, oh, okay, let's let's. And about let's, how old were you at this point? I was 30, 30, okay. 31. So okay, it was you know because I'd had the turmoils about do I give up or don't I do I go another year and, and so forth. So this was a change. It was a different challenge. Ago, okay? so mm. if there's a different challenge, then actually that's that kind of gets my attention and got my attention. So we, I said, that's fine. But you're going to have to speak to my employers who've just taken me back on full time and expecting this, 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 and this out of me. And they spoke to them and the employers again were, were amazing. They were fantastic. They said, we fully support you. Um, go for it. And that's what I did. And I balanced my life um, that year and for a couple of years in, in being that kind of assistant coach and progressing in the surveying world. And I was, that I was starting to nurture and they were starting to recognize in the surveying world, my skills around teams. And obviously my natural um, love for trying to build teams and create dynamics. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was trying to, I was doing at work as well, even supporting the directors as that kind of, I was, a, I went back in as a, a senior surveyor, um, the lofty senior surveyor, but, you know, quickly was was finding my feet and was was being given more responsibility on um, developing the teams alongside with trying to create fees um, mm. as a, as a surveyor and contribute to the to, to the team targets. So it was an interesting kind of feel and development, and probably something I wasn't completely aware of at the time, um, but was becoming more aware that actually, you know, when you're in business, it, it's like that's not the right way to do it. That's not how we should be treating people that we, you can achieve this in a different way. My personality with my bosses means that I was like, well, I'm going to tell you, which in business is sometimes the hardest thing for a younger guy to do because you've got that fear of, well, he, he writes my paycheck or he decides what bonus I might get. Well, this might reflect poorly on me because I'm maybe challenging him. Um, so yeah, and it was, so it was an interesting time for me, but I was kind of oblivious to that kind of self-preservation, shall we say, which is probably a good thing because it means you can be authentic, which ultimately I think is a, is a, is a key part if you want to, you know, lead and you, and you want people to, to follow you. You've got to be genuine and you've got to put the people first um, over yourself. So that was kind of where that grew and that, that I saw the early shoots in kind of, hold on a minute, this is where this may go for me. As we moved through to got to about three or four years later, that guy that had recruited me moved on. And it was like, are you gonna, what are you gonna do? So I said, I'll, I, I made a, again, another decision. I said, well, I'll leave surveying. And I was starting to fly in surveying. It was going well financially. I was, but I was like, ah, is this what I wanna do? So I jumped ship and I shifted and I went back across to rugby full time and coached England, um, continued. And an amazing time, you know, we went, we were number one in the world by then. Um, we ended up winning four Hong Kong sevens in a row. We've got a Commonwealth silver medal, but more importantly, we were recognized as a program that developed young England players as part of their pathway to become future England 15 internationals, which was part of the Holy Grail for this program. Right. So everything that I envisaged and I wanted, it was becoming. And so sevens is, a is partly a feeder program? Yeah, it was for it was for England in terms of where it sat in their hierarchy. So we had, 
I had young players like again these these names will probably mean nothing to you, but I don't follow like, it, but I'm sure yeah. others will. Others will. Yeah, like Danny Kerr, Ben Foden, Tom Vardell, Matthew Tate, you know James Haskell, uh, countless players that went on to become future England internationals came through the sevens program and cited playing for England sevens as a key part of their development, both on the pitch and off the pitch. So for me, I'm like, well, that's the perfect accolade, right? You know, when you get the, you get that type of uh, commendation from the, from the players that come through and they go on to become these other, these great players. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't the sole reason, but it, it played a major part in their pathway. Mm. That's exactly how it should be. And more importantly, we were winning as well. And I had a mantra that, you know, I wanted winning development. That was our mantra, but not winning at the expense of development because that wasn't our sole aim. England want to win. England expect to win. But it was about the players' development and the bigger winning for them, which is playing for England 15s and becoming the players they can be and the men they can be. So that was where that mantra was. And 2006, I think it was, um, England, as always, which again... The politics of the game, let's just say, and the push and the pull between club and country became to the forefront. And being candid, I was being compromised in terms of values and, and beliefs of what this um, program was about. And I had a choice to make, piss or get off the pot. That was basically it with what the senior people at the RFU at the time were telling me. What they were, they were selling out the players uh, and the program to get access to the senior players. So kind of robbing tomorrow's players to get today's players. And it was a bargaining chip. So you can either shut up or get out. And, you know, the, the thing about me then as a headstrong individual, it was, you know, I would cut my nose off to spite my face at, at all costs sometimes. Uh, and I did. I said, well, do you know what? I'm out then because I, it doesn't sit well with me. It's not what I'm about. It's not what I believe. So I'm not going to sit here and nod, be a nodding dog. I'm, I'm out. And at the same time, you know, I, I probably, when I look back, you know, when you look back on your things and you go, do you know what? There's a way to leave places and a way not to leave places. And I, and I mental left note to self, right? Yeah, it was a mental, it was. And if I could change things and turn back, I would probably have dealt because I, I, I was always driven by injustice. That's a big driver in me is injustice, sense of injustice. And sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. And you need to be able to separate out the emotion from the actual injustice mm. and not let the two blur and, and influence one on the other. And, and, I, and I, when I look back now, I did. And I did a couple of things on my exit that I'm like, <sighs> you know, schoolboy. But yeah, being yeah. candid in, in the world of business back then at 30, 34, 35, I was. Yeah. So... Um, and, and, you know, and I probably didn't do my reputation very good with some people at the RFU because of that. But that's, you know, you pay your money, you take your choice. And I left there and I, I went back into the surveying world. So I thought, you know what, I'll go back to, to being a surveyor, which I went back to my previous employers and they were like, yeah, we, we, we want you back. Definitely. We want you to come back in and we want you to do this and do that. And I was like, okay, great. So I signed to go back in. I started back there as I walked through the door the first day they I walked ushered into an office and told to sign an NDA uh, because we were merging and buying another business and I was not going to be doing shopping center investment. I was going to be doing a merger and doing a people integration piece um, 
of two businesses, which was like, I thought I signed up for. Um, but they're like, yeah, no, this is the skill set. This is what we want you to do. And I was like, well, okay, great. Will I still be able to do the fee earning part? Because I was thinking in my mind, that's how you make money. Mm. Um, and and I, and I had a young family. I'm trying to provide for that. So they were like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a baptism by fire, but one oh, that I was made for, really, if when I look back, because... You know, it, it did play to my strengths about understanding people dynamics um, and understanding that you had to get an alignment of of interest and drivers to get us where we needed to get to, mm. which is difficult with two very culturally different businesses. One was, for want of a word, uh, a limited company, and one was a was a partnership, an old school partnership. So mm. you've got a real clash of how things are done and culturally, and you know, you've got the alpha males that are going on below you and they're all older than me and it's, it, there was so many different dynamics that I had to work through but but you know what, what I realized very quickly is you can't there's a lot of lessons in sport that transfer across the business but the reality is in sport is black and white it's win or lose it's like war life or death right because they love the military as well don't they in business but businesses there are so many shades of gray mm-hmm. and so many different drivers yes there's principles you can drag across but ultimately it's driven by the people because the people, the diversity of the people and the drivers in business is far, far different to sport because there's a lot more, the, the parameters or the boundaries are, are far tighter. So the bandwidth is easier to, to, to understand than it is when you're... And the game out. has a certain length, and I, and I know yes. there's a season, but yeah. a lot of things in the commercial context can be oh. six months, 12 months, 18 months, two oh, years. Exactly. And the, yeah, and, and the reality of what's a win... Yeah, shifts and Yeah, and what absolutely. and what a win is for one person isn't necessarily a win for another person because one person is driven by money, others is still being a professional. The other is helping other people. Mm. One is I just want to be the glue nine to five. You know, there is. You know, it doesn't mean they're not any less committed. It's just they've got different drivers, drivers. For, yeah. for for life. And yeah. I think in in business, you know, that again for me to grow and, and nurture. But having a what was becoming very evident to me is in terms of the, the lack of EQ and self-awareness and awareness of, of others in the, in, in the corporate world is they either don't pay enough attention to it or they take it for granted and they think it's just namby-pamby soft stuff. Certainly back then, I think it's become far more prevalent um, nowadays, but um, you know, that's something in sport that understanding people and, and, their drivers is 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 critical and it's probably been more at the forefront um earlier whether that was by luck or judgment that's just how it was but um so i had i i I navigated the successful integration there um but then unfortunately we probably hit one of the worst recessions ever um in 2008 2009 um and my skill sets were changed again where I had to go through five rounds of redundancy. Yikes. Which was probably the most humbling experience I've ever been in, if I'm honest with you. Um, And again, somebody who emotionally is driven by trying to do the best for people, but also, like I said, injustice, being fair, showing equality um, is, is right at the top for me. But you know, being able to have the type of conversations I was told that I needed to have and how you arrive at those 
mm. and the processes you have to follow to ensure that, you know, life isn't fair. We all know that, but there's still a way of dealing with people. Um, and that was a tough school to learn in. Yeah, it's um, going through those processes where good people are receiving hard messages yeah. and it's sometimes nothing to do with their performance. It's just purely commercial. Uh, can be. I mean, there are some people, you know, you're kind of glad to see the back of, but there are others where you go, this is painful because this isn't about how good you are or in fact, you may be incredibly committed and you're given all of these years yeah. of your life to a thing, but God, now I've got to say this. Yeah. yeah. And and that and that was the point, like like you said, round one is all is 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 easy, right? By the time you get to round three, four, and five, and, and that it was it was it, it's not about selection, right? Because when you select a team in a, in a game, right, there's always another game. Mm. This is about people's lives, and there was far more knock-on effects, and, and also as well in in at that time as well, when when you're in sport, you've either got a contract or you haven't, but you know the game you're in as a rugby player or as a football player or whatever sport, you know, you know what you're in. When you know, if you think back back in the kind of to that time, you know, if you gave loyalty to a business, the business gave loyalty to you. Um, and and that was the start of the end, I think, in terms of the corporate world around. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right. This is a fascinating topic, which is there the used to be a contract. Yeah. My, my dad lived in a world where, so I'm yeah. 50, so, you know, so my yeah, father, yeah. Yeah, right. uh, well, my dad lived in a world that, as you say, you know, join that company, work hard, and unless you want to leave or you do something fundamentally awful, the chances yeah. are you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and that contract now fundamentally doesn't exist. And, it, uh, it doesn't yeah, different kettle of fish and and in that trans transition period we, you know but they still what i learned and and became very very important to me because again being authentic but more importantly i had to i had to go to sleep every night is that having those conversations is not a was was very important how you held yourself and how you treated them it yeah. was critical because ultimately they are good people mm. and they've they've got stuff to sort out as a result and that was where that that whole two or three years was 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 ruthless. And as as part of that, I also went from being full time there to saying, do you know what, I, I, I can do other things. Um, I'll I can still do my people stuff part time because because it was something that naturally came easy to me. Um, I was like, I can't do this full time and do what I'm doing when actually I could do this part time and I can do other things and contribute. Do you have a sense of that time? I mean, some you know, sometimes this phrase, you know, you, you have to be forged in the fire sometimes. And I'm and I'm wondering if that time period can you now see it enhanced or actually damaged or actually it helped me be better at or whatever that is. Do you have a sense of what that period of time yeah. may have given to you? It, it it gave me perspective, if I'm honest with you, like in terms of being a, a more rounded individual, but also, again, allowed me to reflect on what we talked about in 2006. It's like, do you know what, mate? You got that wrong. You just mm. got it wrong. You made your decision. You should have left. You didn't need to have a, a little bit of a, a Barney and a fisty cuff with, just because you didn't like what the bloke was telling you and he was going a different route. And you made mm. it about him and you. You didn't need to. Mm. Um, and and that's that part gave me about perspective, but it also gave me perspective on the terms of there is a right way and a wrong way to deal with people, mm. and understanding that people are the most important thing 
the most important assets in a business, whatever that business may be, be it rugby, be it, you know, surveying. Yeah, whatever uh, it, is. Yeah. It, 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 it is. And, and, you know, people can't take your values away from you. They can take a lot of things, but, but how you conduct yourself and, and how you treat people, they can't take away. That is on you. And that gave me a, a real insight into that. Hmm. It, it is, and you say that, but and you're right. But there's also something else that if you don't hold on that sense of your North Star about the who and what you are, those values, as you say, it can't be taken away from you, but maybe you allow it to be. And well, I do see people yeah. break quite quickly 100%. under and the it, pressure. It's tough, right? Because ultimately, being candy, you've got to put food on the table. I've got to do what I've got to do. Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand that fully, and, and I do understand that fully. But, you know, I, I, I just think some of the decisions I've made subsequently is like being candid, I probably have has meant there's less food going on the table for my kids. But the reality is there's still food going on the table, right? And ultimately, yeah. that, that's the start point. You know, you, as long as you're eating, doesn't matter how well you eat because you you, you don't yeah. you don't compromise what. Well, there's more to life than than you know MS finest. You know, um, yeah. as as much as it might be lovely to have it, there is something about what's the experience of me, and yeah. what's the footprint I leave, and what's the message I'm giving to those that are looking at me. I.e., if you've got kids, yeah, what's the story I'm creating for for them, and that's that's big stuff. Yeah, for, for me, sure. And and definitely with my with my boys as well, you know, and because they've had to sacrifice a lot with, you know, subsequently with the amount of traveling I do. But, you know, uh, there's there's certain things I, I want them to to understand and appreciate. Mm. Um, and, and I want them to be, you know, I want them to be genuine, good young men yeah. Um, yeah. that will care. For, for the man or the lady they stand next to or they work to. You know, if they emotionally invest in them, then, you know, you would hope you would get that reciprocated. And that's not always the case, but that's their life's lessons. And you've got sure. to be a good judge of who you decide to invest in. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that took us to kind of that 2011, 2012. And, and then I, I got another opportunity. So I was like, oh, the rugby world, you know, it's like I was doing a lot of TV commentary at the time um, alongside these other, other, other experiences. Um, and, you know, but at this time, it, you know, I was the team I was leading for the, for the surveying firm. I know, it was like, it gone from being a, a 35 million pound business to a, to a 20 million business. So severe drop in revenues because of the marketplace we were in, but the, but the, the working, the, the team had dropped because of what we had to do from 200 to 100, you know, it was, you know, trying times. Um, and I was getting to a little bit of, uh, let's just say, jip um, from from people in the rugby world because I was doing this commentary and I call it as I see it and things like that. And then I, what do you know? What do you know? <laughs> You've been out of the game for so long, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, let it go, Mike, let it go. And then Kenya approached me. He's out of the blue, right? Kenya approached me. Will, will you come and coach us? And I was, I'd watched them on the TV, right? And the potential was huge. But I was like, do you know what? Nah, I'm, you're all right. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing the TV. I, you know, life was good. Um, and uh, then, I don't know, they, a friend of mine, a mate of mine, a really good mate of mine was like, oh, why wouldn't you do that? 
I thought, wow. And, and then somebody caught me with a comment where it, again, lit the fire. And it was the under, it was that far of, you know, you, you, you only do it with England. You can't do it with a, with a, a tier three team, a developing nation. So that was it. So I was like, oh, I'll, I I'll, come, I'll, come, I'll come and meet you. So I said, I'll go and meet Kenya. And the Kenyan people, I, I mean, I will, I will go to, I will do anything for those people now. So it's a typical Kenyan style. I rock up, I, I land in Nairobi. Nobody knows I'm coming, right? I land in Nairobi and, and Kenya is the worst, kept, worst place at keeping secrets ever. And it's not a big thing, right? So Kenyan rugby is quite big in Nairobi. But nonetheless, it's in the grand scale of things, it's not that big, right? Compared yeah. to what we're doing soccer. Well, blow me, there's three TV crews there. And I'm like, well, I haven't been back here. I haven't played here for like six or seven years. I haven't. I'm only coming to have a chat. <laughs> so by the time I got to the hotel and I was, there was another camera, you need, we need to interview, we need to interview. And literally that interview was like, when are you starting? And I'm like, whoa, 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 I haven't done anything. So I went and met the chairman and did all these things. And you have to meet the patron society because it's still a little bit of the kind of British empire out there and so forth. And, um, and we talked and I was like, yeah, well, you know, I said, I can only do it on this basis and in this way. And they're like, yeah, that's great. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> right. And I was hoping you were gonna yeah, I was looking for an out there. A little bit, a little bit, because I was doing I was still doing the surveying team, right? Right. And 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 but I had 50% of my time yeah, to yeah. do this. And I said, I can only do it on this basis, we have to operate in this way. And you know, I had a very set idea about how we were gonna operate. So they were like, Yeah, all right, crack on, let's do it. So I was like, you go, bugger. Right. Well, a little bit, but then I thought, oh, I fancy this. Mm. So I went back and I, and, and again, the surveying firm were 100% right. No problem, you know, because they're like, all that your peoples and running the peoples and the teams I can do remotely as well as I was kind of in and out. Yeah. Kenya was a seven hour flight overnight, one hour time difference. Ah, no yeah, problem. yeah. Mm. No problem. The only thing you yeah. can do is get tired. So, so I, I did it, I took it on, and it was an amazing experience. So I stood my first day at Kenya. I'm sat outside there, high performance center, um, which in itself was interesting because there was it was basically a mud pitch. The grass was burnt, what little grass there was. Um, the rest of it was mud. And literally they gave me a bag of old balls and some cones. And the boys came trotting out in a rabble 10 minutes late in true Kenyan fashion. And uh, and I just sat there and I was like, what the have I done here? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, oh, my God, you've just bitten off. You've What have you done? You're an idiot. And It's like a movie scene, isn't it? You know, oh, you land and then you're seeing the, yeah, the debacle the that stands behind before you, you know. And I'm sat there and I'm like, and I'd recruited a, a full-time S&C and who would be on the ground because I knew what I needed to do. But What is that? Uh, a strength and conditioner, for, because okay. the reality is the, the genetics of these Kenyan boys was immense. They just needed direction and nurture. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, man. So I'm I'm looking at these boys. They're looking back at me like, and you could see in their eyes, like, these boys were hungry. Um, and I was like, and don't know, I've come from England 
five or six years where I had everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I've got a bag of balls, I've got some cones, and I've got you lot and me. And it made me think about the game so differently. This is like so going to a spit and sawdust gym, isn't it? It was, but and worse, yeah. because there was no sawdust. Um, <laughs> and I literally... Just spit. Yeah. I just had to go, right, I had to just think about the game in the simplest form. What are the things you need and what, are ne what is necessary, what is not? Yeah. And what do you need to create here to stand the best chance of being successful? So it made me think about the game in the most simplistic way. And more importantly, think about the team and the squad and the culture in the most simplistic way. So from there, bang, no problem. I kind of got my head in and I just had to layer the foundations and build their technical side. Then I'll build the tactical alongside the physical, get them ready for war. And then we'll work on them mentally, which for the Kenyan boys was probably one of the easiest things if we got the physical bit right. Yeah. So we created a culture and an environment, very simple, based on human values. But the long and short is, lads, you can bounce around all you like as long as you stay in these boundaries. So you be you. You step outside these boundaries, which I know you all will do because you're, you're, you're men. Whether you're 14 or 40, you can't help yourself. You're going to put the foot over the line. Yeah. And if you do, it's, you're going to get whacked back in. And that was the starting point of, of, of what we did. Um, and I had the most amazing year there with the players and the boys. We went from being 13th in the world, just about to get relegated to being top four. Um, and narrowly missed out on making the World Cup final. I mean, you know, and, and it had everything right because the African politics of the boardroom, again, which was a learning experience in itself, was ridiculous. So, like, I had half a board trying to derail the other half of the board and using the white bloke in the middle oh. as the punch bag. Yeah. And this is African politics at its best, right? Because it was like, there's the size of the cake. Every, that's fine. You can have the cake, but only after I've had my slice. Mm. Well, that was the way that that worked. Yeah. And, and, you know, coming from where I'd come from at DTZ and, 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 the, and the business I'd been working with was that how you held yourself in a boardroom was there was a, there was a, a certain way, right? Well, I sat in a boardroom in, in Kenya where in the end, I just called out a director, you know, you, you're just blatantly lying here. And you, what you've done has caused all of these reactions, bang, 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 bang. And they were like, and he went, yeah, I have. So I'm like, oh, he's, that, he's just admitted that, right? He's gone, right? Great African phrase. They because they use these little English phrases the whole time. I went, well, we don't cry over spilt milk. He's apologised. We move on. And I, yeah, because there for the grace of God go I, and I'm I'm just as culpable as anybody else around this table. Yeah. So I I just sat there and my jaw literally hit the floor, and and I was like, well, wow. And you start to realise and understand there's battles to have and battles not to have. It's that phrase, isn't it? You know, we're not in Texas anymore. You know, yeah. you know, the Wizard of Oz thing, you know, it, you know, it's, it, we're not, this is not the playing field I'm used to. No. It's, yeah. Fantastic. And it, it was, it was unreal. I mean, one of the other experiences I had working with Kenya, bear in mind that I'm, I've taken us to where we are. And yeah, this is a program when I arrived, had very little money. By the time I left, I got told this five years later, had six million US dollars in sponsorship. Don't know where it all went. That's a different story. Um, yeah. But we, uh, we literally, uh, I got sacked 
by social media and facts at nine o'clock by a board member that had no jurisdiction but just decided to do it in public. By 9.05, I'd been reinstated and the board member that had done it had been sacked. This all happened within 10 minutes, but this is just an everyday event. Yeah. Kenya, but for the for me, the bloke from South East London, I'm like, what is going on? So that sense of understanding that roller coaster ride of 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 how it how things are elsewhere in the world and uh, is was was a was an amazing learning experience. But and then that coupled with the personnel experiences I had with those those players from Kenya who, you know, basically didn't have a lot. But the reality is if you captured their minds and you captured their hearts and you showed them, if you care about me, then I will die for you. It was, was clear to see because they were so used to people fighting for them only once they fought for themselves rather than fight for them first. And that means us. Mm. And it, again, it was a very interesting. Well, this is a servant leadership perspective. Yeah. They wouldn't have been used to. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be of service to you. I'm going to put you first. I, I am yeah. here for you. Um, and if you're not, of course, if you're not used to that, you might even be suspicious of it for a while. Well, they were, because you know that when that dog looks at you and yeah, just yeah. tilts his head and his ears yeah. raise, what, what's that yeah. all about? Mm. There was loads of those looks. And mm. it was almost as if, well, why are you doing that? Well, yeah, what, what's, then, the, then, what's the gain for you that I haven't yeah. spotted yet? 100%. And, and the game is, I'm emotionally invested in you because if you do well... We do well, and the very nature of we doing well doesn't reflect on me. Hundred percent, I get affirmation, I get recognition for that. But but I'm emotionally invested in trying to make you the best version of you, for you and us and me. It's an alignment of interests, but it's ultimately based around you, the individual, maximizing your potential. Um, and it, by the time I by the time we got to, to to the World Cup, we were very much in a good place. But with all of this off-field stuff, it's the only time I've had to walk away from uh, a, a mm. rugby job, which I was unhappy about walking away from because mm. there was so much still to do. But I was waking up to 80, 90 emails a day. And it was... And I sat there and, and you know, it... it it was in danger of making me ill. It hadn't made me ill, but it was tiring. It was wearing. And it, there, I had to make a decision for the best interests of, of me and, yeah. and, and my young family. I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't like walking away, but I'm going to have to. And, mm. I, and you know, I, to this day, I, I'm, I still have regrets. Not, not, but the regrets I've never got to, to, to see these guys and help these guys achieve what they ended up achieving because they went on and they've, they've done some great stuff. The, the young men had that. I gave them that. I felt I gave them and invested in them for a year to, to allow them the opportunity to become what they've become. And they've this is, done really this is what well. good looks. This is what yeah. good looks like. And, and that's something that will never leave. And they, yeah. And, they, and they've, they have taken that on on the world circuit and they've done they've done some great things. So I left there and I, and I, and I left, I left the, uh, I, I left the game again. Um, but interesting enough then, uh, you know, England and the USA were, were saying, Oh, well, we, we quite like to talk to you. And I said to USA, look, no, 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 no. And, and England had come to me. We want you to come back. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a bit suspicious, but, are you sure, bearing in mind the conversations we'd had <laughs> and how I'd probably 
not done the how I would would have done it now, then. So, no, 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 forget it. It's all bygones, bygones. So I was like, oh, okay then. So I went down and I my emotionally my head was in the right place. And then the the guy that I'd upset or were fallen out with, what goes around comes around. He found a way politically, and did me over. And again, it was it was. It was that, you know, you talked about having values and integrity and, and holding yourself. Mm. Uh, somebody I held dearly in there that I trusted implicitly mm. let me down. Mm. And that was, that hurt. Yeah. That hurt big. And, and as a consequence, I was like, I didn't think people would act like that. And, you know, I was, so I washed my hands of, of that individual and, and, and stepped away and, and, and pursued other things. And I was going down a track of leaving the game completely because I was so disenchanted with how I'd been dealt with, which is interesting, but no, I look back I know, now I know, and I know where you're coming from. It's a valuable lesson because I think sometimes you've got to go through those kind of scars to understand again, how not to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, you know, as we talk, what you just talked about in terms of it's, it's not easy, but, there, there are there, there are certain things you have to be true to, and being whether it's a leader or being a good person isn't always easy. Um, but it, well, making tough decisions when it benefits you, some way, you know, whichever way I go, I'll probably win. Is yeah. fine, but when it's mm, this is going to damage me, this is yeah. or it's going to hurt me, or it's going to just be maybe emotionally or wh whatever it is. Um, that's that's that real test of who who am I really? Yeah, and that's 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 big stuff. Yeah, it is, and you know I think every person will face that, um, and I, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it's you ultimately it comes back to the man in the mirror, hmm. uh, and you 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 can dress it up, of course you can, but ultimately you know when you sit there what. What, what what you do and how you conduct yourself. And, and that's it. That's hugely important for me. And that yeah, was I mean, a big learning hmm. and big lesson that that, that that can happen to you, even if you think, well, well I gave them every opportunity to, 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 and even to, are you sure about this? And no, no, no. And then when it came to it, when it mattered, it was found wanting and, and, I don't know, maybe What's I was... interesting as well is also that you... you. I mean, we were saying 50. I'm 50, 51 years old. I'm not even sure how old I am, but I'm 50 years old. And the point being, I look back on myself and have moments of pride and have moments of absolute despair, you know, through some of the things I've done or not done or, or whatever it is. And at 50, you know, that it never stops. And I think, you know, I remember, I remember my grandmother who passed away at 98 years old. Yeah. You know, and she was looking at her children who were in their 60s. Yeah. And still looking at them like they were idiots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it never stops. And yeah, maybe it does for some people, but, you know. Yeah, you, just, you just explained the look my mum has at me. Um, <laughs> and it, and it, you know, it's an interesting one because you're right. I mean, my mum's background is HR. Right. And it's interesting because he's it's, it's imagining what, what you subliminally learn and what yeah. you pick as well as what she proactively puts in you. Yeah. And, and I see a lot of that 
but are you, are you again as you get older you see more of what oh, okay that makes sense yeah but, you know you start and it's, it's that old age if i knew if i knew then what i know now do you know what i mean well, we'd have all we'd have all bought flats twenty years ago. Exactly, and then you always say that. Remember that other statement? He's like, "I'm never going to say that." And he's like, "Oh my god!" And then you say it to your own kids, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Tell my dad, tell my mum. You know, but but it, that's that's the circle of life. I yeah. think that's I think that's the reality of it all. So yeah, it's um that was. But it was, again, those negative experiences are part of what make you as um make yeah. you as a person. So yeah. I, I I I was going. I was I was leaving the game. Um, I was done and I was just going to throw myself into uh, commercial work and I was going to chase the pound basically. Yeah. You know, I really had that emotional cutoff. Um, I was going to, but, um, interesting enough, my old director of rugby at Wasps was working in the U S and he, again, he knew, he knows me and he knows my personality and he knows how to light my switch. And he'd been following your escapades. Yeah, and he fl- and he phoned me and he's like, "I need you to come to the US." I'm like, "Mate, <laughs> you're kidding me!" I said, "Mate, I'm 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 going after some dollar because I'm I'm yeah. I'm not into it, mate." And he and he knew the experience that I'd gone through, and he just said, "Mate, he said uh, I, he, he pushed across this this report from from the United States Olympic Society uh, Association, where they do everything by stats, everything statistically driven." And uh, he went, it said on this uh, report, you've got less than 10% chance of qualifying for the Olympics. And he said, I need you to get qualified for the Olympics. We're, we're 13th in the world. We're danger of getting relegated, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him and I went, mate, you're not, you're not that bad. And he was like, well, will you tell me why? So I was like, well, because of this, 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 and this. And he said, well, what about that report? I said, well, mate, basically, to qualify for the Olympics, you've got to win one game against Canada. I said... And Canada are not 90% better than you. But Canada were riding high at the time in the series. And I said, but they're riding high because of it. So he said, well, I'm not sure. So I said, so he, again, he lit the fire, underdog, right. So now he's like, he's, he's reeled me in like a, like a fisherman. <laughs> and I look back now and I was like, oh, you like you kippered me. But then I got a little bit of respect for him as well. I got a lot for I've got a lot of respect for him because he, he he knew me as a person, he knew the personality, yeah. he knew the he knew the buttons to push. And what would add value to your life about what would yeah. make you excited and yeah. Yeah. And 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 he played it, he played it he's a one of those well played, well played, well played. So I, I was like, right. But I often in. I have to jump in I often think if I've motivated you and you're happy about it, was it really against your will? <laughs> you know? No, exactly. <laughs> well it's true. <laughs> it's true. And we got, and he got there and he got me in the mix. And um, that was back in 2014. And we were 13th in the world. And ultimately, we qualified for the Olympics in 2016. By the time we got to 2016, we were deemed one of the favourites. And that was the kiss of death because the Olympics was such a gladiator type of Coliseum event where everybody's results hurt and helped everybody in the group stages. We ended up going out of the group stages by a points difference of one. It was brutal, but we shouldn't have been there. So there was a bit of sweet. And then we've gone on from there the last four years. We're now ranked. We're the only what you would call tier two rugby nation that's ranked in the top four in the world with South Africa, Fiji and New Zealand. So we've gone past a lot of traditional rugby nations. We're established over the last five years as being that. We're a non-traditional rugby nation that is seen as 
the exciting box office diverse mob that we are at the World Series. And again, the, 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 the ingredients that have helped me do that are a lot of the experiences that I've been through, but more importantly as well, what, I, what you never realize until you get there is one is how big America is. Yeah. And how diverse the characters and the personalities are. It's, so countries, within, with, it's countries within countries, isn't it? It is. But culturally, mm. like I, in, a, in England, like in rugby, right, you've got public school kid, private school kid, right? So you've got a state, state court. Yeah. Put them on a rugby pitch, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. Genuinely can't tell the difference. In Africa, in Kenya, there's, you know, there's four main tribes, 50 sub-tribes. Put them on a rugby pitch. None of them have got anything. So we just crack on with it. In America, I've got a kid on food rations mm. and I've got this kid at the other end who whinges if he only gets two puddings a night, mm. you know? Put him on a rugby pitch, I can tell you exactly which is which. The diversity is huge. And whilst diversity is a huge strength, it can also be an Achilles heel. So where the States has really tested me, apart from the rugby field, is the ability to understand different personalities and the flexibility of communication that I need when I'm dealing with this mob has been like nothing ever before. And if I hadn't had all of the experiences probably that I'd had to date, mm. I would drown at times with some of the emotional roller coaster and the conversations that you need to have and how you need to shape them. Are you talking about the just the psychological profiles of different individuals? Mm. Is that what we're talking about? That the fundamental about, diversity yeah. of personality? Diversity of personality right. and their upbringing, their cultural upbringing within the countries, within countries, and the fact that they're all just chucked together and how, you know, I have guys that I'll say one thing to him and I'll have upset three others over there. And more importantly, they will have said something that will upset three others over there because of not because of what they said, but the way they've said it or how they've received it because there's such a big difference. So the education piece of helping them and developing them to understand one another and oneself outside of a, a rugby context is uh, massive. So there's there's a couple of things going on there. One is the way that you message isn't a one size fits all. So there's something about my, the explanation might be technically valid, but the interpretation of it might be taken differently by, no, so, by the yeah. receiver's interpretation yeah. of what it is. And then there's something about, well, that's one thing, but then the, the getting people to connect and gel and feel for each other when yeah. the environments they come from are so fundamentally different and they may come with their kind of preloaded bias. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of the dynamic varies. It's, it's huge. huge. So right, again, okay. you could liken it to a large corporate where you have your motivated money men, You've got your professionals that just want to do the best job they can, but want to be valued. And then you've got yeah. the glue nine to five. Yeah, I mean, it the getting the so interestingly to, enough, then all of those yeah. jigsaw pieces of your life without them. If that yeah. if that had been if the US one had been one of your first gigs, the chances are, hey, I, I don't have the interesting enough, not the academic experience. No. I don't have no. the life experience. Yeah, I, I don't have the EQ experience. Yeah. And emotional, like, you know, you, 
it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a fashionable word at the moment right? and yeah. it has been that emotional intelligence yeah. but the reality is the flexibility of communication the ability to communicate with people and get people to understand how to communicate with one another is huge so you know we we were very hard on educating and developing them as men because again confidence within men is 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 important to allow them to be themselves and and helping them have that confidence is important because whilst they have that confidence on a rugby pitch there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's not on the rugby pitch which can affect what happens on a rugby pitch so we have to invest in that we have to recognize and realize that within our squad we need bridges we need players that bridge between yeah. the different personalities and are able to soften that an interpreter maybe but you want to yeah, call yeah, it yeah. but understanding where they fit and where they sit in within the the squad and it's not a hierarchy it's a dynamic well, i can't show favoritism because you're helping me i can't yeah. separate you out and yeah how do i get those checks and balances of yeah. not losing contact with that person who i might be struggling with a little yeah. bit but yeah it's it's very complex it's, it's also asking for that help as well right because the mm. reality is that probably the younger me would be trying to do it all yourself whereas the the, the, the more experienced individual realizes that's not the case well, you've just said something which is absolutely fascinating, and there's two things for me. Number one is one of the reasons I ask people to talk to me about their life before they get to the present day is understanding all the dynamics of what you just said makes the context of your ability to handle that complexity, oh, it's only really those life experiences that have allowed him to do that. And I deal with businesses all the time where – in predominantly male spaces, some of them the balance is a lot more, but there are some where it's predominantly white, predominantly male. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it is. There's no reason behind it. But the reality of asking for help and the reality of recognizing that you can't do it all yourself and paying attention to the dynamics of just what's going on around for some is natural and they come from different places and spaces, but for people that have been in an organization a very, very long time, they haven't had. Yeah. I've worked here. I've gone there. I've done the other. So bringing that in um, is quite difficult. And this is the kind of clip I'm going to show people <laughs> that goes, right. Listen, you know, that's what it takes because it takes conscious competence. It never stops. I mean, there are things you're probably doing instinctively, but I'm presuming that there's still very much a conscious competence where you're being consciously competent on purpose yeah. because you know it takes your concentration to make it happen. I'm, I'm guessing that's true. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and patience because there's times where, you know, you'll, you will get frustrated or agitated, mm. but you can't show that because they might not get it. And, you know, it's a, a big part of, of continual trying to strive and success is you have to invest in them. I'm going to say the man, you have to invest in the person. Yeah. You have to invest in them holistically. I can't just invest on the rugby bit because that's, that's not them. That's just what they do. I have to invest in them as the person, because if I make them better, I get better what they do. And well, this is huge. Because one of the things, again, I talk about is in management, you develop people, but in leadership, you nurture people. 
and you know that's my vocabulary but it's that difference between getting technically putting all of my energy into your ability to do the task yeah whereas i put an and in there it's and growing the, the human being so they are more emotionally intelligent, which means they can communicate better with their teammates, which means blah, 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 blah. So you're, you're recognizing that the growth I'm hearing from you is, as you said, much more holistic. You have to grow the whole person, not just their technical ability. A hundred percent. Because, and again, it's, it's, you can, you can start, you can have at both ends of the spectrum because you have this in, in business. I've seen this in business because I had them, but you the same in sport. You've got your box office talented individual, right? Mm. No, that can be a dick. Yeah. Literally can be a dick. Mm. And I've I've got some of those. So actually I, I don't want them to lose I what think they I'm one. Yeah. <laughs> Might still be. Yeah. I don't, I don't want them to lose what they are, what makes them them. Mm. Because that part of being that dick at times is. But by the same token, to have the ability to to realize and recognize and the perspective from, from other people, the fact that actually I need them and I need to value them yeah, because they help me become who I am is important. And building those relationships and understanding and valuing those relationships is so important. And, you know, in, in sport, again, it, it comes down to, 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 to win or lose. Right. Whereas in business, it's, you know, again, I'm just thinking of a real example where I had this, he was brilliant at what he did, but he couldn't, he couldn't run a bath. Like he couldn't manage a big dinner in terms of the people, but he was fortunate. He had me that would, would do that. But by the same token, he wouldn't recognize and reward the people that contributed to allow him to make the big dollars. He just would try and take, take, take and treat badly, badly, badly. So there was no, and some of them didn't even need the, the money. They just wanted the affirmation of you're doing a cracking job or, or actually, yeah. do you know what? Time is more important to them. Oh, you know, have a cut of extra. All of that, that kind of recognition and realisation of what those individuals need. Sometimes those super talented individuals don't get. And I, you know, it, it, it's again holding them to task and accountable if they step out of outside the, the boundaries? It's the willingness. I, I'm always intrigued by, you know, the salesperson that's fantastic yeah. at selling or the operational guy that can deliver the, the outcomes, yeah. but they're a pain in the ass and they're destructive. And when, on a commercial context, yeah, when true. you're driven by your private equity, you've got an end game, there can be big earnouts at the end or whatever it might be, it's, what do we tolerate? And I have this little phrase, which is when you tolerate things ongoingly, it becomes a tolerance. Yeah. And then people look at that tolerance and go, ah. and then of course, if you try and apply the standard to me that you're not going to apply to them, you're actually telling me I'm not as valuable as them because yeah. you're letting them off the hook. And that then builds a resentment. And uh, it's something that I think, it's one of those things that doesn't show itself straight away, but with experience, you realize I know where this horse goes. 100%. And, mm. and you know, I'm, I, I have this with my team at the moment with my squad because of the diversity. It's like, I, I'm open with them. I, I treat you all differently. 100% I treat you. But, but I treat you all differently because that's what you need. But the long and the short of it is the boundaries are still the boundaries. Mm. And these are just human values. So if you are a dick... You will get you will get told that, and there will be implications of of that. 
Now, if that means you throw your toys out and so be it, then so be it. But if you're part of this culture and you're part of this dynamic, then you'll understand that and recognize it. And it's, it's I'm also a great believer in this. It's all right to get it wrong, right? Because you've got to get it wrong to get it right. I know that. I've done that so many times. Yeah, but, yeah. but you can't consistently get it wrong to get it right because you, it suits you. Yeah. And, I'm, and, you know, but I'm not a big, I hate conflict. Everyone, everyone in my team thinks I love confrontation and I'm, I'm like, I don't. But the problem is, by the same token, I won't allow it to ah. slide. And there's a difference. There's but a big difference. It's yeah, not to that. say that I don't sit there and go, oh, I, don't, I don't want that conversation because of this, 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 and this, or I'm not looking forward to this. And, you know, again, the younger me would have built it up in my mind and, you know, and, and I probably would have delivered it in a, a not necessarily in the, in the best way and would allow myself to get emotionally angry. Mm. Whereas nowadays I'm <laughs> better. <laughs> Well, you're more crafted, right? Yeah, but the reality is, I, I, again, I, I bedazzle some of the boys sometimes in the fact that literally I would have lost lost my shit, like lost it. <laughs> and um, and then at the end I go, I'm sorry about that, lads. And then they'll look at me and go, why are you, you just, why are you sorry? I said, because I didn't proactively or premeditated decide to lose it. You lot made me lose it. That's not good. And I'm apologizing because I wasn't in control, which means I didn't necessarily deliver that in the right way. And they'll be looking at me as if I'm like, and then it's only when they do it and they're like, oh, okay. I said, well, you've just, you've just emotionally reacted there. And yeah. sometimes there's a place for that because that means you're authentic. But then the reflection piece is, was that the right thing to do or, or was it not? I said, because there's plenty of times when I've lost it with you and I've not apologized. Mm. I said, so that should tell you a story. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a lot going on there. I've got an eight-year-old, and the other night I lay next to him just before he was going to bed, and I said, hey, I just need to say sorry to you for something. You know, I was really grumpy tonight. You were, I was a bit short with you. He said, oh, yeah, yeah I thought you were. I said, no, don't get me wrong. You were being a right pain in the ass. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. normally I can handle that in a different way, but I was tired and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, that's all right. I go, well, it, it is and it isn't. But And I think, you know, there is a maturity about going, I telling you that I wish I'd done that differently. Yeah. And, but there's also a little phrase, which really, I think I'm hearing what you say is you're almost, you're going to have the experience of me that you create. Yeah. And, yeah. and okay. And, and I'm not, and I'm not Gandhi. So sometimes I'm going to lose my shizzle, yeah. but 95% of the time, I'm not really doing, I'm not really handling you differently. You're doing different things. Therefore yeah. you will see that version of myself in play. Yeah. And that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. You make me giggle because there's a, there's a quote about um, people, uh, two people may, may describe me in different ways. One might say I'm, I'm a caring, eloquent individual and some might say I'm an arsehole. They're both right. I treat people accordingly. It's tongue in cheek, but, but there's, there's also an, an under, underlying tone to that. And I think, you know, there. It's an it's it's an important thing if you if you want to manage people if you want to nurture you want to develop you want to mm. you know create better people um, to be the success that they want to be both as a person and whatever their craft may be then you know authenticity lies at the heart. Yeah, and um, I had uh, that that just actually reminds me of 
um, Gary Gary Ridge, who I had on just recently, uh, who's the MD of WD40. And he's a, an amazing character. Um, somebody that, you know, you go, oh, oh, okay. I understand why your business is incredibly successful, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he just talks about that balance between tender and tough. Right. And he's happy to use the word tender. Yeah. You know, and he's not afraid of it, you know. And he says, and the balance, you know, well, it never is perfect, is it? You know, it's 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 never quite right, but you're balancing tender and tough, and and the the reaction is: is it me being tender or tough, or is it what you're doing that creates the response from me, which means oh, I'm going to have to be tough with you here, or I yeah. can you reacquire me to be tender here? So it's it's the essence of what that's doing that's creating yeah. that response from me. So I, I, I totally buy into that. So listen, I, I'm going to, um, with, without any desire to, I'm going to bring us to a close because we've been going for a, a, a know, I've just seen that <laughs> a heavy time, right? So maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do a, a, a part two. How's that? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, maybe we can kind of come more into the dynamics of team and yeah. some of those kind of things that is more specific around that area. So maybe we could chat about that. And, uh, yeah, that'd be a beautiful thing. But see how this one turns out first. And if you're yeah, exactly, yeah, it might be all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, no, that'll be a no. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I'm just going to press the stop button and we'll, okay. we'll we'll talk for a few minutes afterwards. But just for me personally, thank you so much for giving the time. Hugely. No, thanks for having me on. That's it. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please share so others get to hear about us and subscribe so you keep up to date on new episodes. Also visit livingbrave.com if you want to connect with me and find out more about executive coaching, team effectiveness and changing culture. Oh, and of course you can buy my book Living Brave Leadership on Amazon. So on that note, see you soon.